Welcome to the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Expert PK and Newbie Podcast, the podcast where each week we take a passage of the Bible, we read it with you and we discuss it from three different perspectives, trying to get a deeper understanding about it. Let's just, intro- let's just introduce ourselves again. If people, if people, haven't, if people don't episode know who we are. Episode seven, let's oh, introduce what our names are. Yeah, so just the names, so just the names. I'm Josh, if you don't know, I'm Joshua Lee. We've got... I'm Lachlan Miller. Hello. And I'm Morgan Carter. How are you all doing? You're doing well. Do well. I'm looking down the barrel of a very busy season about to come up. We're taking a dozen of our youth away on a short-term rural New South Wales mission trip next week. Mm. And then I go to youth camp straight after that. And then I hopefully start running a term for youth ministry as well. And so definitely looking at a very busy season. So no break in between those those two? No, not at all. It was not particularly well planned on my <laughs> end, but that's okay. Here we are. We'll just get through it. How about you, Morgan? What's coming up in your life? At the moment, it's my birthday next week. Happy birthday um, for next week. Current recording. I've got some friends coming down from, or up, no, down from Sydney. Bit of a wine tour. Josh's wife. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I'm going on a young adults camp with my church, which is really cool down the coast. And just got a wedding up in Noosa. So very busy time of year as well. Yeah. Mm. Josh, what is coming up for me? <laughs> I know it's not as exciting as what you guys have, have got going. I just work. I've got work coming up. Um, <laughs> That's all right. One of us has to have a boring life. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just slaving away here. At just, 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 just work and editing this. That's probably what's going to come up. All the behind the scenes stuff. And we appreciate doing. you immensely for editing together mm-hmm. our episodes, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. My exciting life. On that note. <laughs> we are doing chapter 13 today. Mm, just the one, just the one chapter. Just the one, the parables of Jesus. Today's passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Please pause now if you haven't already and read that chapter. In this chapter, we find Jesus' third major sermon, which he preaches using parables. This includes the parables of the sower, of the weeds, of the mustard seed, of the yeast, of the hidden treasure, of the pearl, and of the net. So out of every sort of story and everything, the parables of Jesus is probably my favorite section of the gospel in, in terms of the gospels is my favorite section in all of the gospels. Hmm. Interestingly enough, because for, for me, it's filled with so much image imagery and I love a good metaphor and I get a lot out of all, all the parables. It's one of those things where it really gets me to think. And there've been many times where I've read something, uh, done a sermon on, on the parables or just been walking and the brain starts to to whirl and think about what the parables actually mean. I love a good puzzle, and <laughs> and they can sometimes um, be one of those interesting puzzles that you sort of try and un- unpack. Yeah, so I've always I've always enjoyed the parables. Can I jump in there and ask before we get too into it what a parable actually is? Oh, great question! I actually I uh, googled this in uh, expectation that you would ask this question. Um, the word parable comes from two Greek words para and ballow, which together means to throw alongside. So basically what it's doing is it's taking a well-known obvious truth, like in the ones that we just read in chapter 13 about agriculture, it grabs on so it's some very well-known truths, and alongside that it throws a hidden truth or a, or a mystery. And so in the one story you have two things going on. You're trying to unpack or discover the unknown truth through the obvious well-known truth. And so it's basically just a short little story that has a deeper meaning. I guess after reading this, one of my initial thoughts was it is so heavy, in con- like it's so heavy, there's so much of it and 
it's a very, very long chapter. Well, you've got to remember, this is a whole sermon of Jesus, right? This is the third mm. big sermon of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Mm. And unlike the previous two, he preaches it just in parables, which is quite a distinct shift in tone from Jesus. Um, mm. Such a distinct shift that his disciples in a few verses are going to ask him about it, inquire why he started to do this particular method. Before we go into any specifics, if we just have that quick brief overview, a lot of them seem to be referring to farming, gardening, plant-based agricultural stuff. Baking, fishing later on. Now, to have a guess, I would say that's probably due to this was what was relevant to the people who were listening at the time. Mm, Absolutely. It would be quite interesting to know if Jesus were to tell these parables today how would have they differed? What would it be? What different analogies would he be? Would he be using these? I'd imagine would sink in um, quite easily for the people. Yeah, I've heard sermons where people have written the modern version of these parables. Okay, like it might be the investment banker put his <laughs> coin into four different investment funds. Mm. One fund, blah 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 blah. Yeah, and so I definitely think there's a way to modernize these parables. But the only mm. way we can modernize these parables is to understand what the truth Jesus is trying to convey in it. Because as I said, these parables is the known quantity is the agriculture for them. And that's using that known thing to try and communicate a a deeper point. I think these are also a bit timeless as well. Mm, Yeah, These will never go, lack of a better way of saying it, out of fashion, or I don't think anyone would really not know what farming is. I think these these will be core things that will stick out through history. Mm. Jesus has thought of this as it will be used throughout time and we mm. will always understand what a what a seed might be. Even if it's not farming specifically, if you've just got a potted plant, you can still have a grasp at what he's trying to say. Can I ask a question about the first parable? Um, when I read it, the um, consider the sower who went out to sow as he sowed, some feeds fell along the path and the birds came down and devoured them. Is that a bit of a metaphor, people and falling off the path of following him? The advantage of the parable you've just asked about is it's one of the two that Jesus actually then fully explains, which is really nice of Jesus because otherwise we'd be stuck not even having the tools to unpack all of them. This is what Jesus says about the seed that falls on the path, which is this. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Does that help answer your question, Morgan, about what is happening with the yeah. the seed on the path? Yeah, I think like you said before, they're using that language for like the farmers and the people. It's interesting how much Jesus in his ministry and life associates to the evil one. Because mm. I think we've all reflected that at least from most of our Christian backgrounds, that is often an afterthought to think about the evil one and try not to give him too much credit. But here Jesus says, hey, the word, the gospel, the message goes out and a whole bunch of people don't hear it because it is instantly taken from them. It's like the words have left your mouth, it's reached someone, but then it is taken away before they can even respond to it. I find the next two soils to be the most interesting and thought-provoking of the, the options. Because this this parable is, hey, I've been preaching this gospel message for a while now. Why hasn't everyone responded positively? And here's kind of like the four ways people are responding. The rocky path is interesting because the word springs up, people accept it quickly, 
but it's really, really shallow soil. And so as soon as there's any bit of suffering or tribulation, people fall away. And then with the thorny uh, ground, like the soil is good this time because stuff is already growing, but the things that are already growing take priority and choke out this new gospel message that is starting to form. And I find those to be very interesting responses to the gospel because they are, in both cases, a moment where it has been planted in the heart, it has been understood, but then it's not followed through. Mm. Any reflections on people that you know in this soil? Even within the church, that seed might not even land on good soil. Uh, even if it's just as simple as those that are just going through the motion and not who haven't fully committed themselves um, and just rock up on a Sunday, that can be seen as it being fallen on not good soil. Mm. Inside the church isn't just always good soil. There is still room for bad soil there as well. Yeah, because I think we see a lot of people from this rocky path and this thorny path in the church. They're the people that, suddenly appear in your church circles and uh, seem to fully be on board with all of it and uh, seem to have a faith, but either the troubles of life or some type of hardship or persecution or even the joys of life, actually, anything can kind of cause these seeds to eventually die and not take full root, which I think the key message Jesus is saying here is it's the longevity that matters here. We actually looked at this in the very last section of last episode where we talked about Jesus' parable of the demon who leaves and then comes back with seven others. And we talked about that fully committing to something wholeheartedly was kind of one of the key teachings of Jesus' ministry is that you need to be fully in for this for the long haul. And if you do, then you will yield 100 times or 60 times or 30 times what was sowed which I, I looked up um, in this time period, a typical yield was five to 15 fold what was planted. Mm. And so if you got a tenfold, then that was like a real good year. Yeah. And so 30, 16, 100 is like ridiculous bumper crops. It's a really, really good time frame. As I alluded to, Jesus's followers quickly realized that speaking just in parables is kind of a new method by Jesus and then approach him to ask him about it. And he gives what could be a very concerning response. Mm. And so wondering what your thoughts are from kind of verse 11 onwards to Jesus explaining why he's now teaching in parables. That was going to be a question of why why the secrecy and why only a select few people know exactly what he's talking about. Because as we see later in this chapter, he then later explains, he, he, he preaches, but then later with his disciples gives the explanation. Is a, uh, that whole knowledge is power aspect of it or that whole someone who knows 10% about something is more dangerous than someone who knows 90% of, of a bit of information, if that makes sense? So No. <laughs> no? The, so, so someone, so I can't remember what the exact um, quote is, but it's someone... You often see it in sort of maybe in schooling or or, or university um, where there's a lot of, of teaching where someone who knows a little bit of a subject then gets propelled in terms of things like ego and um, they boast about how much they know but they actually know very little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I'm with you. Um, that, that aspect. So I wonder if, if 
if it's maybe to do with that of not wanting people to have the wrong intentions behind behind it or the or get the wrong message not entirely sure i think the clarifying question is is he still allowing people that that don't have this have the the the, the secrets that he's referring to can they still have it or is he outright saying only those that he's giving these secrets to will be able to have them it's a great question <laughs> i think this is answered by actually what you said at the very beginning of this episode, Josh, about how you love thinking through the parables and trying to figure out what's going on. To tell a story in a parable is to invite or encourage or necessitate someone to think and search for understanding. So Jesus' disciples come up to him and go, what was this parable about? He doesn't rebuke them because I think that's the point of the parable. Mm. The point of the parable is to... You, need, you now need to go to Jesus to figure out what's going on. You need to ask. You need to continue searching and seeking by going to the source of the parable mm-hmm. in order to truly understand these mysteries that are being given. And so in this way, Jesus can continue to teach and those who are truly interested will come to him and continue investing in and continue receiving truths and the mysteries of the kingdom of God will be given to them because they throw themselves into it more. Whereas those who are uninterested or have hardened hearts will hear the story, either just assume they know what's going on or be uninterested. And so it's really a way of dividing up those listening to him between those who are going to need to now fully throw themselves in to understand what's going on and those who are now prepared to just walk away. Mm. And as well as having that divisive effect, It also perfectly fulfills what we're expecting the Messiah to do, which is to speak in parables, which is why he quotes Isaiah 6 here. So, Lockie, do you think that we get to decide what kind of soil we are or Jesus gets to decide? You've literally just touched on one of the biggest debates within mainstream Christianity, which we do (laughs) not have time to go into on this podcast. Um, There are literally entire podcasts dedicated to that question. Like, let me give you a really brief breakdown of the opinions, if that is at all helpful to you. The Bible seems to teach two things at the same time. It teaches that God is totally sovereign and in control. And in that sense, he determines what type of soil you are. The Bible at the other time seems to teach that we have real decision-making ability that we are judged and held accountable for our actions and what we do. And in that sense, we are held accountable for what type of soil we are. Now, most Christians through history have looked at those two truths and gone, that doesn't fit together. How do we possibly make these two things fit together? And because of that, there's kind of two main schools of thought about that question. You've got the Calvinists who kind of heighten or advance or focus on God's total and utter sovereignty to answer this question, often at the expense of human freedom and decision-making. And then you have the Arminians who do the exact reverse, which is focus on and heighten human decision-making ability and sometimes at the expense of God's total control. And so those are the, the two big sides or positions. When it comes to just this parable, Both sides try to use this parable to justify their side, but I think what ultimately this parable, all it does is says that there will be different responses. It doesn't explain how you become good soil. It doesn't say how that is possible because the disciples at some point probably weren't good soil 
and became good soil and heard Jesus' message and accepted it. And so I think there is an ability and there's somewhere to change between the soils. But this parable isn't really about how you change between soils or how you end up with the different soils. It's purely trying to explain an existing division that's already there. And so you ask an excellent question. I have no answer for you about it right now. (laughs) But I don't think the parable proves either side, even though both sides like to try and use this parable. Well, it gets even even more complicated when uh, in the secular world the debate of whether or not you have free will oh, yeah. gets yeah. thrown That's gets a thrown debate into in mix. science and philosophical circles it, as yeah. well, yeah. So it becomes even more mud. The waters become even more muddied mm. uh, with the how vast we can we can go with with that question. Yes, which is why you can have podcasts devoted mm. to answering this question. Mm. But I don't think we have time to do that no, on ours. No, people d- dedicate their entire careers to it. it. It's funny with the parable of the weeds. I remember reading it um, for the first time and sort of going back and forth over it um, a lot, um, sort of rereading it. And then once I got a bit further, you then have the title of the parable of the weeds explained. So it's, 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 quite, it's quite funny. There is there is sections of these that it get it get explained, and it's and I'm like, ah, oh. but but as we said before, it's this is the whole point of you getting to think about it and 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 spend time grappling with it if if you're grappling with it or or work your work your brain muscles. This one to me seems quite to to a certain point quite self-explanatory in terms of. We as Christians, we as believers, are the are the um, wheat, yep. And those that are non-believers are the weeds, and that eventually it will come to a time where we will get separated, and the you know the burning of the of the weeds will be uh, their damnation. Yeah, yeah. It's when the parable is explained. It says those who are the weeds will uh, be weeping and they will be gnashing their teeth. Mm. So sorrow, grief, and pain. Mm. But it is quite interesting in saying that, and the one thing I sort of was was kept on sort of looking over, Jesus is saying in this par- parable, uh, when the servant asks him, do you want us to go and pull them out? The answer is no. So not to pull out the weeds just yet, but for them to be both be pulled out at the same time. Mm. Is it just like a statement like they had the option and to just keep it on the same level playing field or is it like? My my guess at, at it um, would be if we're thinking of it that that in terms of the metaphor mm. that, that, we're the, that we're the wheat as believers, that it still gives the opportunity for the weeds to become wheat. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily really work in terms of, of that, but in terms of the metaphor of us talking about it, of putting ourselves into it, that's probably why, maybe. I think it's also pointing to the fact that in this life, you can't have absolute certainty over where others are sitting. Mm. So you're all in this field, which I think represents the world, Mm -hmm. and it won't be until the end of days, until judgment day, when people's true colours are fully and utterly revealed. Mm. But for now, weeds and wheat work and live alongside each other in this life. I think it's also helpful to more fully unpack the agricultural background of this particular parable. Mm -hmm. And so people think that the weed that is mentioned in this parable is a plant called a darnel. 
which is a poisonous plant that when first planted looks very, very similar to wheat. And there's actually mm. a Roman law which um, made it illegal to plant darnel next to wheat because clearly this was a common act of revenge is you plant these weeds in a wheat field to get back at someone who has wronged you. And so it, this parable could be reflecting a real-life thing. Mm. So if you just had a small amount of darnel spread throughout your wheat field, you could do some really careful selective weeding and get it out, but you're almost definitely going to damage some of the wheat in the process. But if there was a full-on infestation, there's no way you could get the weed or the darnel out without also damaging most of your wheat crop. And so your best option was actually to do exactly what is said here, which is wait for harvest time and then divide them into their two halves. Interestingly enough, darnel was actually very useful as a fuel source when wood was in short supply. So when it talks <laughs> about burning it, it's just kind of another link into the reality of the agricultural background. Mm -hmm. Mm, that's pretty cool. And it makes perfect sense of you don't know who's who, so wait for it to be to be judged at the end. Because mm. all of these parables about are about the responses to Jesus. Mm. And last episode, we began to see quite negative responses to Jesus. And this sermon of his kind of explains why. Because everyone on earth is divided into at least two categories, those who will accept it and be wheat and those who will not accept it and ultimately will be revealed to be weeds. Um, so for the next parable of the mustard seed, I want to throw it over to Josh. So if you listen to the end of this podcast, you'll know that this is a mustard seed production, which is mm -hmm. Josh and his wife Alyssa's company. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to tell us a bit about why you chose the mustard seed as your name and what it means and if it's anything to do with this? <laughs> yeah, is it related at all, Josh? Is it related at all? <laughs> Yes, it is. The the cat out of the bag, yes, it is. But it also, the way we market ourselves as a Christian co um, production company, I'd hope it would relate to this, <laughs> this as well. Um, to give full credit, it was actually Alyssa who came up with um, Mustard Seed, the, the, the name for our company. We were, we were coming up with names and we were just spending time thinking about it and she texted me one day saying Mustard Seed. And we're like, yes, that's, um, that's great. And it... It captures the ethos of what um, us as a company is all about. Uh, right, right here in the we've sort of taken you know the parable and uh, um, sort of for ourselves, almost um, selfishly, the of that whole idea of um, starting from nothing or starting so small. So for us, we're big Alyssa and I. We're big uh, proponents and. We love to create things. Uh, we love to tell stories and tell other people's stories. But we're all about taking the smallest idea and making it something big, something bigger than itself. Uh, like with, with, with this podcast, it was um, it started out as a seed, out as mm. something as, as just an idea, something small. And look at us now. Here. And now it's the largest of all garden plants, <laughs> as Matthew thirteen says. I do hope it grows to be to to be that. Um, but that's that's the whole idea behind why why we we started the the company. If we wanted to, um, well, we started the company just because just because out of we weren't wanting to wait around for opportunities to find us. We wanted to create those opportunities for other people, especially in the film and TV industry, as it. Um, and in this country, it can be very difficult. So we wanted to create those opportunities, but but through um, our own like wanting to have a Christian-based company and 
and then having that the name mustard seed, we really want to capture that idea of something small can become something really big. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just it's not only is it a name, but if you look at this parable, it becomes our almost um, values and ethos in, in terms of the company. Mm. So that's where okay. that's that's where we um, yes, that's where we got the name <laughs> the the name from from. <laughs> From the Bible, which I think is a which is which is a good place to get a name from. Yeah, yeah, and you've captured well what this parable is trying to teach, which is the kingdom of God looks like it has a small beginning, mm. a small origin. It starts with just Jesus, mm-hmm. grows to twelve people from there, and then ends up being absolutely huge. Mm. Um, the the literal translation is greater than the vegetables, and I just really thought that was <laughs> worth bringing up. Is that the mustard tree is greater than all the vegetables <laughs> as a literal translation it is it's it's a good one well it's good to as well as it's funny it's good to know because you would think because if any because when i remember preaching about this and i and i read read that and i'm like oh we'll look up the mustard tree or the mm-hmm. or the bush that it actually is it's not that big oh three meters kind of the maximum but you know like <laughs> when it, when it when it talks about it will be the largest though there are trees that are larger yes and there's also seeds that are smaller. Mm. They weren't known in that part of the world at that time. No, but there are no. seeds technically that are smaller. But that's not the point, though. Yeah. Is not to get so hung up on the fact that it's is, there are other larger things. It's it mm. is the whole idea of a seed being the smallest thing becoming this really big thing. Look at any if you've done any planting of any sort of garden or anything. It's it is quite um, stop to think about it. Miraculous that this little small small thing becomes mm. this this big thing. Yeah. And then the same thing happens again with the yeast. It's the exact same parable, but mm. with the different context of now the context is baking and you put a little bit of yeast in it and it spreads throughout the whole bread. So what started small has now become huge. Yeah. That little bit of that little bit of faith that you can inject into someone can grow into this large, mm. um, robust faith. Mm. And um a lot of these I I, I feel like can uh can be applied to to us in terms of us giving the word or or informing others or um, planting seeds and Morgan any 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 thoughts on no I think like you were saying at the beginning Josh I like the imagery and metaphors in this because it makes it really easy to understand for someone like me as a newbie anything or anything specifically that 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 stands out from it I think the mustard seed um, when you're saying something so small can be so big like that's so true in a faith journey for anyone um can completely like flip everything around so i think just the metaphor of that planting something watering it seeing where it goes yeah Mm. yeah and in the parable it says that birds will come to shelter under the shade of the mustard plant and in the old testament birds almost almost always represented nations Mm. and so the kingdom of god has spread to such a large size that nations can now rest under the protection of its branches, which mm. is probably a helpful thing to give a bit more light to that parable. And we can use that as a, like applications just for our own lives. As we can, we through our faith, we can give shelter to other other others around us. Jesus then explains it to his disciples, but then goes on to tell more parables which I sort of take as a sign that this sermon isn't 
properly, totally chronological. Mm. I suspect that he probably gave these parables in one go while sitting on this boat, as we see at the beginning of chapter 13. And then later on, he went to the house and explained in more detail to his disciples some of these parables. So I suspect that what we read here is in perfect chronological order. Mm. Speaking of the uh, the boat, actually, that Jesus delivers this sermon from, people reckon they know exactly where he ah. gave this sermon. So there's this place um, called the Cove of the Parables, which is kind of a natural horseshoe-shaped part of the Lake of Galilee. And if you sit kind of just on the water's edge, your voice naturally can reach almost up to 100 metres away clearly because mm. of the natural acoustics of the area. And so people say that Jesus could have sat on a boat in this cove of the parables and very easily spoken to hundreds of people just because of the natural acoustics of the area, which I thought was really interesting when mm. I discovered it in my studies. Mm. That's cool. It'd be great to visit one day. Mm, 100%. I had a trip to Israel booked and paid for and then the pandemic hit. So yeah. I'll do my Holy Lands tour at some point <laughs> soon. I find it really interesting that Jesus does a lot of these parables in twos. So you have the mustard seed and the yeast, which are two different parables that have the same point. You have the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl, which convey the same point. You have the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net, which is separated by several verses, but they also seem to convey exactly the same point. And so he just keeps latching onto a few different common experiences of the people listening, and then it explains it using methods they would be familiar with. And that um, parable of the of the treasure is a real sort of um kick in the gut of you he's saying how they if you know if you were to have these treasures wouldn't you want to give away everything to go after that treasure mm. and it goes back to uh that whole the you know the tax collectors the rich man of all those what what were couldn't they give up mm. in order to seek out the kingdom of heaven yeah what are you prepared to sacrifice mm. Mm. and in these parables both of them they're prepared to sacrifice and give up everything in order to obtain this hidden treasure or this pearl. Is there um, any hidden meaning behind the one priceless pearl? Like why he sold everything for a pearl? Pearls in the ancient world were known to be quite rare and quite valuable. I think that is all that's being communicated here is, hey, this person stumbled across a very valuable pearl. Are parables only seen in Matthew? No, not at all. It's one of Jesus's primary teaching styles. And so they are definitely throughout all of the Gospels. Were angels seen to be like white, glowing, fairy-looking things or like were they easy to differentiate between just people? The stories of angels we have in the Old Testament, half the time they rock up, people just mistake them for other humans and don't realise until they do something insane. And then the other half of the times, the person is on the ground terrified because of this angelic being before them which makes me think that at least in the Old Testament vision of angels, they hide their true form half the time and the other half the time they are terrifying to behold. Okay, just because where it says the angels will go out separate the evil, separate the evil people from the righteous, I'm just curious, like in my head, I'm just wondering, like are the evil or like these devil-looking red things and then these angels? When it says evil from the righteous, I think it's just referring to humans there. And so they are in one sense, the harvesters or the dividers or the people who are going to, when judgment comes, separate humanity into the two categories, which is those that follow Jesus, the righteous, because we get given Jesus's righteousness, not because of what we do. And then the evil, which is 
the natural state of all humans until we get given Jesus's righteousness. Is it the letters of John or in, in Revelations? Revelation. Yeah, singular. Revelation. In Revelation, doesn't it start to describe some of the some of how those visions that John gets? Because it's come out that, and and I don't know if you've seen it, Morgan. The modern or like the modern interpretations of what an angel looks like, mm-hmm. they're very different. Oh yeah, and 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 I think that's come from more the revelation or the letters of John aspect aspect of it, but it could be one. And if you look them, if you look them up, because they're these sort of big creatures with either one eye, lots of tentacles, and or or different different what? things. You can, yeah, uh, do a quick Google search yeah, of biblically up. accurate angels, yes. and you get some weird looking things. I think I just want to keep my idea of the white fairies. <laughs> if anyone has seen the angels depicted in the game Diablo. I've always I've always wanted that's how angels look like. <laughs> I know that's not going to be the case. That's Josh's head cannon. But that's my head cannon. Like that would be so awesome if that's how they if that's how they look. Lucky, what do you think angels look like? I'm not entirely sure to be honest. The Bible gives descriptions of multiple spiritual creatures in the heavenly realms. So like cherubim were like a tiny little winged creature. We see other creatures with six wings. We see other creatures with multiple, multiple eyes. I don't think at any point we're told explicitly which one of these is the angels that appear before people. I'm unaware of an exact perfect description of an angel, only that about half the time that they appear before people, they just look like people. Mm. And so I will happily find out with the rest of us exactly what they look (laughs) like when Judgment Day comes and the world is separated between the good and the bad. Mm. Anyway, sorry, I went off a bit off track there with the angels, but I was just curious. I mean, the crazy thing is, we we, we might have we, we might have interacted with mm. one, we may have seen one, especially if we're looking at the um, the ones that are meant to look like um, you and I. Mm. It's we'd never know. One of the epistles actually says that that you may have entertained an angel unaware, mm. which is just an interesting thought. Yeah. So the parable of the net. Sorry to go back to that. Jesus asking. Do you understand all these? Is that to the crowd that he's preaching to or is that just to the disciples specifically? I think at that point he's definitely referring just to the disciples because they replied yes. And mm. yet we've seen that the purpose of the parables is to start to divide the crowd between those who will more wholeheartedly completely follow Jesus and those who won't. Like that is part of their stated purpose. For all of them to reply yes, I think it has to be his inner circle of disciples. Is, is that then saying... If we're disciples of the kingdom of heaven, we we have these treasures that Jesus is talking about? Yeah, verse 52 by itself, people often say is the last parable in this sermon. But it's it's so short that it's like, mm. is this actually a parable? What's going on? I think this parable is about the, the continuity between the Old and New Testament. It's saying that those who have grasped the truth of these parables now have an insight into these new truths about this new kingdom that's coming Mm. while also still being aware and grasping onto these old treasures that they bring out of their storeroom. And so they've now got a more full, more complete revelation from God because they've understood Jesus's teachings Mm. and they've already had all of the Old Testament. And with Jesus saying that last parable, we then get to see a real-time example of him again being rejected or again showing this division amongst the people about mm. whether he is who he says he is, which is a nice, like it's very clever of Matthew to, as soon as he finishes this sermon, to then show a story that 
directly proves the points he was sort of sharing in his sermon. As well as as a recount, do you think it's there's more weight added to it was his hometown? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because it could just be an easy thing just to 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 miss and not not add in. Because when I first read it, I was like, "Oh, his hometown! Like that's got to suck." <laughs> <laughs> Being rejected by your own yeah. home, yeah. But then Jesus gives a little proverb, which is that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Mm. It was almost expected by him and also just a normal response or reaction. Mm-hmm. I see this in a lot of Christian leaders who stay in their one church for their whole life, which is they grow up in this area and then one day they might become the pastor of that church and yet there's a significant portion of that church who can only ever view them as little Timmy who used to be part of the children's program. It's always harder to minister to those who knew you at your younger, more immature years. And why do you think that, why do we think that occurs? Because especially if you, if they know who you are, mm. wouldn't in some aspects be, it would be easier? Or is there these preconceptions that people have already formalized in their own head that they are, oh, that's just little, little, little Timmy that they're being um, dismissive? I just think it's, it's natural in a lot of senses of if you've known this person for so long, you've known a lot of times where you were the wise one over them or you had less than positive interactions. And I think people create too strong of a continuity between people in their younger years and people in their older years. Mm. And Jesus seems to experience this very thing when the people are like, we know this guy. This this is the son of Mary and Joseph and his four brothers are right here. We got James, we got Simon, we got... Joseph, son of Joseph, and we got Judas. Like, here's his four brothers. Are any of those names listed there the same as the disciples' names? I mean, yeah, three of them are the exact same as Jesus' disciples' names, but it's not the same people. So none of Jesus' brothers or half-brothers were part of his 12 disciples. We do know that James, the uh, the eldest there, um, became a leader of the church in the book of Acts. He wrote the epistle of James in the Bible. And we also know Judas there. um, He's the guy who wrote the book of Jude in our mm. New Testaments as well. And so they became quite significant in the church eventually, but these are not to be confused mm-hmm. with the other characters of the same name that are currently Jesus' disciples. <gasps> Judas. <laughs> yeah, everyone whose name was Judas had to change their name post-Jesus' death. <laughs> call me Jude. Don't call me Judas. Please, no, not Judas. <laughs> you said half-brothers. Yes, I did say half-brothers. So Mary remarried? No. Oh, okay. Didn't we discuss in our very first episode that Jesus was not really the son of Joseph. Okay, so when you refer to to half... When I say half-brothers, I mean these are the four children of Mary and Joseph. Yeah. Whereas Jesus is just biologically mm. the son of Mary, with Joseph as sort of the adoptive dad. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by half-brothers, yeah. just to be clear. Great great point, though, because if I didn't <laughs> explain that, that could go mm. poorly quickly. Mm. And he specifically chose not to do any miracles. Like there was a <laughs> lack of miracles and yep. he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. I'm sure that wasn't out of spite, but <laughs> it's just it's just funny to read of like they didn't believe him. Goes back to his hometown. It all goes wrong. Oh, he just did a couple of miracles. <laughs> yeah, that's what gets me there is he didn't do many. Yeah. Like he still did some. Like, did don't some. get me wrong. We know Jesus, he's a miracle worker. He's got to do a few, but he didn't do many. He didn't do many. He's like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll heal you. It's just an interesting sentence to include. It is, but it harkens back to two episodes ago mm-hmm. where we talked about the sign of Jonah and the people were demanding a sign and Jesus chose not to give them a miracle in that moment. Mm. He uses miracles for a purpose mm. and often when people need or demand a miracle is when he 
doesn't actually do it. So I'm sure he healed all the people who needed to heal, but didn't go so far out of his way for those that requested the signs. I yeah, say. they just wanted the sign. And it is interesting. I just, I just had that thought then of like, if you're asking for the sign, you already know the answer. My boss came up to me one day at my old job and said, do you think I do you think I swear too much? And <laughs> I said no, but in my head I'm like, oh, should I should I have said this? Like, should later? I be honest? Should I be honest? But then like, should I? There was a part of me that wanted to answer him with, well, if you're asking the question, you already know the answer to it because you're like you're self aware to ask it. So deep down, you actually know what the answer is. Well, any other final comments about? Jesus's third sermon here? In terms of what stood out, if we were to ask that question of us, I think all of it, like not to not to blanketly be like, all of it stood out, but I am saying all of it stood out because not one specific thing, I think for me, solely stands out. I think all the parables in here have its own place with me and have its own sort of sort of meanings and and applications for me. So I think I think for me I I take all of them in in their own separate parts and don't actually not not one single thing stands out. They're all I think for me quite equal. I must say though in saying that the that last bit where we were talking about the prophet without honor, that one is probably the least known aspect of this chapter that I've I, uh, I've looked looked at. So in a way, that's probably um, a big, a big standout, and I think a, a big one to sort of reflect on as, as, as well as something I haven't spent too much time and probably should spend more time with. Yeah, my takeaway is similarly not exactly from the passage, but just we've just reached the end of Jesus's third sermon of five that he gives, which means it's it's fair to say that we are now halfway through the Gospel of Matthew. We've covered a lot, and I've loved seeing Jesus as a character and his teachings. It's been interested to see how his teaching has changed and been shaped in different ways as he's progressed. And I'm just really excited for the second half of the Gospel of Matthew. I'm excited for the second half of our first season here as we continue to see what Jesus is doing in this Gospel. I am going to take away the mustard seed story or parable. I just like the little things. I've got the song from Little Things, Big Things Grow in my head when I think about it. <laughs> nice. But, um, yes. Just as a reminder that no matter how little your impact is with someone in their faith journey, it can grow into something really big. So I'm just going to take that away. So as we as we wrap up, we just wanted to let uh, everyone know, everyone watching, everyone listening, that we're just going to take a short uh, mid-season break, a very, very short mid-season break, allow lives to happen and the busyness and the chaos that our lives can, our lives can be. And we're just going to take that that short break. However, that doesn't mean we're we're stopping. It just means that there will be some extra stuff. So stay tuned. Look on the social medias and everything. We'll have some extra stuff coming coming your way. And then late October, we'll be coming back into back into the, our uh, the book of Matthew and going into the next half of half of it because we've reached reached the half point. Yeah, we've reached we've reached the we've reached effectively. The, yeah. Effectively, we've reached the half point, and we'll be then diving at the end of. Uh, late October, we'll be diving into the rest of the book of Matthew. So send in any questions, any uh, comments that you've had that you've uh, brought out from from this, any favorite parables. So we'd love to love to see all of it come through. 
And you can find us as always on all our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Just look in the descriptions. They'll all be there, all, all the links there. Look at the link tree. Share it around. We haven't said that. Share share the podcast Share the podcast around. We want everyone to be able to, to, to listen to it. We want it to spread and we want it to grow. If you've got someone in mind going, oh, I think they'll really enjoy it, share it to them. Send them the link. Send them episode one. Send them episode four. Whichever <laughs> one you think... Go for it. Send it. Send it to them. We'd love it to just reach reach as many people as it can. Lachlan Morgan, thank you for joining joining us once again. Thank you everyone for for listening and and watching. Lachie, can I get you to pray us out? Absolutely, Lord. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we have been able to read through the first half of Matthew and unpack it together. And I pray that you would continue to give us insight into what you are saying and teaching as we head into the second half of this season. Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. A Mustard Seed Creative Production.